2: Today, we're going to discuss building brand affinity through high-quality, long-form video content. Joining us is Chris Savage, who is the founder and CEO of Wistia, which is a web-based software solution that helps marketers turn videos into brand advocates to grow their business. Now, more than 500,000 businesses across 50 countries depend on Wistia's products to build their brands and their business, including HubSpot, MailChimp, a sponsor of the Martech podcast. Sephora, Starbucks, and my wife's favorite, Tiffany's. Yesterday, Chris and I talked about why building brand affinity is the future for marketers. And today we're going to talk about how to build a memorable brand with binge-worthy content. Okay, here is the second part of my conversation with Chris Savage, CEO of Wistia. Chris, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
1: Great to be back.
2: Excited to have you here again. Yesterday, we started off by talking about, hey, is it audio versus video? And I tried to, you know, pick a fight with you and you wanted no part of it. (laughs) And we finally got to the point where we agreed that, look, what matters is building an audience through long form content is an amazing way for a brand to start to build recognition, repetition, and affinity with the people that are going to be most important and most likely to be their customers. Now the question is, how do you actually build out that content so it's interesting enough that you can start to grow your own audience? What makes binge-worthy content?
1: I mean, binge-worthy content is just content that people actually want to watch or listen to. You can't force them to do it. They have to actually like the feeling they get when they click play and they stick with it.
2: So I think that that's the important distinction. We'll get into what binge means in a second, but valuable content, interesting content are things that people actually want to consume. I'm going to double click into that. How do you know what people want to consume? How do you figure that out? How do you create something that's interesting?
1: I think you have to go deep to make something that's really interesting today. You have to recognize that all of us, when we think about who we are, what our identities are, it's like a mix of different interests. For me, it's time with my kids. I am a startup fanboy. I love watching companies grow and trying to see how they're going to grow and thinking about investing in them. Then there's a bunch of other things that vary into rock climbing indoors, but like very into that and enjoy that. I will admit that I found myself spending some time going deep on sleight of hand magic nerd alert. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It was like a kid tried to do all that sleight of hand magic with those stupid books and I couldn't tell what's going on. And now there's like an unlimited amount of content for me to learn.
2: I have a three and a half year old at home and a three month baby, anything that could keep them entertained for 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm not going to judge even if you're doing magic tricks.
1: Well, it's just one of those funny things. Cause like the world we live in today, if I want to go really deep, on that, like on Slider Hand Magic, there's tons of people to follow. There's tons of super in-depth tutorials. Like it's a very interesting thing to go deep on and I can spend a lot of time with it. And I think binge-worthy content is really about understanding that we live in a world where when you try to research something, you expect that you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think the hard part and the challenge is basically like, how do you find what the right audience is and the right niche of topic that if you can go really deep with them, then they will stick with you They will soak it up. They will tell everyone they know who's into that nerdy thing. And it's kind of like, how do you make content for the nerds that the nerds actually want?
2: I think about it in a similar way where, you know, when you're thinking about what your topic is, and we talked a little bit about some of your customers yesterday and the hypothetical insurance company, hey, you're not creating a podcast or a video series about insurance, right? You're creating... Something about a topic that's meaty enough and big enough that it deserves to be broken down into small pieces that you can really analyze. So where we talked about a direct-to-consumer insurance business, and well, nobody really wants to hear about that, but there is the idea that there are people that are homeowners that want to talk about different ways to manage their house. Hey, insurance is an important part of that. Maybe it's a financial show and insurance is included in it as well. There are tons of big meaty topics that are related to the most boring industries in the world that you could break down into micro-sized bits. And I think to me, that's what makes interesting content. You get these enthusiasts about sort of the broader topic and you start putting the pieces under the microscope.
1: I think that's right on. And actually, on the insurance day, I was trying to think of what this was. But there was this thing in Boston for a few years called Society of Grownups. And it was like an in-person place you could go to learn how to be a grownup, basically. <laughs> and it was buying your first house, life insurance, investing, all this kind of stuff. And Mass Mutual basically put it on. So it was their version of this, like an in-person version And if they said, we're going to make content about just buying a house, like, okay, there's a lot of content about buying a house and like when is the right time and blah, 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 blah. But instead, they purposely had a little bit of a cheeky thing. It was really nicely designed. And it was for people who are like, they recognize they just graduated college. They're working a job. They're making some money. They're trying to figure out like some of these questions. They don't really know who they could go and ask, right? Because they don't want to look like an idiot. And this is kind of like the perfect thing at that moment. And I think it was, as you're saying, going deep on a specific topic, clear about who the audience is. And suddenly they were able to make something really great.
2: I created a podcast that was very similar. It was the Finding a Job podcast. And we started knowing that there were people that are graduating from college that are looking to enter the working world that are struggling to figure out how to do that. The problem that we had is we didn't have a monetization model behind it. And it wasn't worth investing in the continued growth of that content asset without knowing who was going to be paying for it in the long run. One of the things that we talked about is building binge-worthy content, and I think that there's an interesting conversation to have around format and the expectations of you know the cadence of content and when people will consume it. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to That's mutinex.co. That's mutine dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How important is it to... Create content that's consumed consistently, that is actually binged, you know, consumed all at once. Just talk to me about your thoughts about repetition, cadence, and format.
1: I think it depends on what job you want the content to do. If you think about it from a perspective of like, all right, you want to build an audience, you want to keep them engaged, and you want to grow the audience over time. Like, Some content that's consistent is going to keep an audience engaged. I think about the HBO model it's kind of easy to understand. HBO has all these movies that have been in theaters and they've come out. Sometimes you can't rent them yet. Sometimes they're old movies, but there's a collection of stuff that's always there. And there's all the previous shows that HBO has done, which you could come in and binge. And then there's like the late night stuff that they do that is consistently coming out. So there's always some new cadence. And a lot of that content is designed to like make people feel like when they sign up and pay, they're getting value. And then they keep paying because they don't want to miss John Oliver or they don't want to miss Bill Maher or something else. But then the way that they can really grow the HBO audience is like when they have something new. So you have Game of Thrones. That was obviously a huge deal. Lots of people signed up for HBO just because of Game of Thrones. Succession, like the newer one, I would say that is like in a similar vein, although not as big as Game of Thrones. But the idea is like some of it is going to be bingeable, ready to go. And it's going to be like a landmark thing that brings in new folks. And a lot of it's going to be about retaining. And so I think if you're building an audience from scratch, you probably want to start with the retaining stuff. Like. How can you keep going and keep making something where the format is the same? So you get better at it, which is a simple idea of a show, which is so different. I mean, you're an expert in this, but like so different than so many other types of marketing where it has to constantly change. And like in this mode, the format's the same every time. Ideally, the production gets easier, the prep gets easier, the on camera part, the recording part gets easier over time. And so the quality actually should go up over time. And then you add in those other things that are bingeable if you have a big effort that you're trying to grow the audience.
2: For me, consistency is always key in a content publishing business. Whether you're constantly creating new series, and that is your business model like HBO, you know, they know that the life cycle of a series is somewhere between, I don't know, one to six seasons most likely. And so they're constantly looking and developing seasons and figuring out what's going to be a hit, what's going to make it the entire way through, and then killing the stuff that isn't. In a B2B business, you know, like the MarTech podcast, we've very much taken the stance of we just want to stay in front of people on a regular basis, right? We want to be that... 15-minute cadence where I want to learn something new about marketing, and I want to do it in a relatively short period of time so I could feel like I'm continuing my professional development. But it's hard to retain this much information when we're going deep if you're clustering it all together at once. And that's really why I wanted to have the conversation about what is binge, and should you be actually trying to build binge-worthy content, or should you be trying to build content that creates habits and consistency Let me ask the question again. Do you actually think binge-worthy content matters as opposed to creating habits? Do you think about that? Or are you just trying to create great content and hope that people come and listen to it no matter how they want to?
1: I don't think you have to binge it in one go. And I agree with you that the habit piece is incredibly important. I think of like the binge-worthy, at least for me, is a descriptor of like people actually want to click play. You can put an ad in front of someone and they can ignore it or try to ignore it. But in this case, it's an opt-in environment. And the thing that's going to keep people and let you grow your audience is if they actually listen to the episodes, right? And if they do that, it doesn't have to be binging 20 episodes at once. For me, that's kind of how I think about like, I see a lot of content that isn't good. I see a lot of content that people think is going to help them rank well, but that no one wants to spend time with. So for me, it's much more about like, would you want to binge it if you could? So would someone want to go back and binge episodes of the MarTech podcast if they just discovered it? My guess is they would go and look at the list of episodes and who was on them and the topics, and they would start going back and listening to the archive, while also ideally turning it into a habit of continually listening. That seems like the best case scenario.
2: Hey, hopefully we're in the best case scenario. You know, I think that some content is meant for binging Game of Thrones. And obviously that's not for a business, that their content is their business for HBO, but Some people have really entertaining content that's meant to be consumed all at once. A course to try to help you learn a skill might be something that you're just going to crush right away. And some things are meant to be habits. I look at the New York Times and the Daily. It's not a show that's made for binging. Yesterday's episode is irrelevant today. And so they constantly have to be creating new content. Maybe finding somewhere in between is the best of all worlds. At the end of the day, the important part is to know your audience and to understand what type of content they really care about so you can produce enough of it that they're either going to binge it all at once or hopefully build a habit. When you start thinking about connecting the audience to the brand, are there any tips that you could suggest or any guidance you can give?
1: I think that the simple thing is you need to treat the content like a product. And so you need to actually, when you put it out there, like talk to the audience. So if there's a media company that's releasing a show that is their product and they talk to people and they do focus groups and they ask them how it's going and like, it's funny, but that piece gets so often missed. And I'll say for us, in our own experience making content, we missed it for a while of like, we put stuff out into the world and we looked at the numbers. Well, what do the numbers look like? Are there enough views in this? Are there enough subscribers? And you think you have an idea of what's going on? And then you actually go interview people who spent time with it. And you say, what did you like about this? What did you not like? What do you want more of? And it turns out they will tell you. And then sometimes you go in a totally different direction based on what the audience cares about. And I think for me, it's that simple thing. Like you have to actually engage the audience directly and realize that they're giving you their time. And if you can learn from them and figure out what they really want, it becomes much, much easier to make content that actually listens.
2: It's funny, you know, as many podcasts as I've done and as many marketers as I've talked to, and look, I am about data-driven marketing and it is very important, but the biggest thing you can take away or that I have taken away from my experience as a marketer, is you can learn more from talking to 10 people who are your customers about your product and services than you can by running a survey to thousands of people, going and talk to your customers and getting direct feedback is so critical, whether it's figuring out your product development, whether it's figuring out your content strategy, whether it's figuring out the length of the content, just go talk to the people that are your customers and they will guide you in the right direction. Chris, we're going to bring you back on the show one more time to talk about how to take the content that you're creating, binge-worthy or habit-forming, and make sure that you're getting great syndication through it. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Chris Savage, CEO of Wistia, for joining us. In the third part of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Chris and I are going to talk about driving organic growth through video syndication. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is C savage C-S-A-V-A-G-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is wistia.com, W-I-S-T-I-A.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about if you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet,